from OETA, Oklahoma's home for public television. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Oklahoma News Report podcast. I'm OETA News Director Rich Lenz. Back in February, we ran a report on the disproportionate impact of COVID on black communities in Oklahoma and nationwide, amplified then by a lack of vaccine access within those communities. The Oklahoma City County Health Department was taking measures to put more clinics within immediate reach, especially for elderly populations. As part of this report, we covered OU Health's Project Trinity, about to launch that month. The project aimed to examine the mental and physical health impact of COVID and social unrest for black Oklahomans. Now at the end of the year, the project is only halfway through, but the preliminary findings are already helping to identify problems and solutions. With more on that, let's go in depth with moderator Susan Godot and her panel of guests. Thank you, Rich. Yes, this is an important topic. It's still an important topic, and we have two very special guests to help us wade through uh, and get us up to date uh, on what's going on today. First, I'd like to introduce you to Oklahoma Representative uh, Jason Lowe. He is uh, from Oklahoma City and chairs the Legislative Black Caucus in our state. And then we have Dr. Adam Alexander from the OU Health uh, Center. He's the Assistant Professor of Preventative Medicine. I'd like to thank both of you for being with us. Thank you for having me. All right, so to start, I'm going to refresh. Well, it's been so long, it's hardly a refresher, but back in February, uh, Dr. Alexander, we had you on to explain Project Trinity as it was just launching. I'm going to have you quickly refresh our memories. What is Project Trinity? Yeah, so Project Trinity uh, is a cohort study of African Americans living in Oklahoma. Um, we're trying to look at the effects of uh, the pandemic and also that period of unrest we, uh, we all experienced in 2020. The idea is that, you know, in that tumultuous year, you know, it's important to study the health effects of it. Like what happens, you know, when everything is shut down, churches are shut down, stores are shut down. You know, what do people go through mentally? Uh, does, does their health behavior change? You know, and Project Trinity looks at that very deeply. And, um, you know, and, and reading more about not just George Floyd, but other events that have occurred in the past, uh, I'm learning that when African-Americans are injured or uh, killed uh, by uh, police officers, uh, that psychologically, that uniquely impacts African-Americans more so than any other population uh, here in this country. Uh, there's been a lot of, I think, very great studies that have come out and have shown that when people see uh, videos of African-Americans, especially unarmed African-Americans uh, being uh, harmed or killed by police officers, uh, they're psychologically impacted more so than, than whites or American Indians. And so when I designed Project Trinity, I wanted to look at the problem where I thought, it would matter the most. And that's what African-Americans first and foremost. And once I show that, you know, there's something there that uh, that's significant, then I would try to invite other populations like whites, like American Indians to take uh, take part in Project Trinity to see if we observe those same uh, same relationships or those same associations in those populations as well. Uh, Representative Lowe, I just want to ask you, what is your take on this? Is this something that's needed here in Oklahoma? Oh, absolutely. As leader of the Legislative Black Caucus, uh, I hear every day of the, 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 the mistrust that we have in the medical field, the mistrust that African-Americans have in the judicial system. Uh, we need to research these issues. These are very important issues. Uh, we have the highest rate of incarceration uh, in the nation. I think we're second now. Uh, 
which is still not acceptable. Um, every day I go to the courthouse, I see our young men and women, uh, primarily African-Americans are being incarcerated for nonviolent offenses. These things have to change and projects like Project Trinity, uh, we need to promote, we need to support because we need to find out what are the causes and how we can correct these measures. So, so Representative, I want to stay with you for just a minute. I, one thing you said right off the bat was a, a mistrust of the, the medical system. Why is that? It's, it's just based on history. Tuskegee uh, is based on racism, uh, systemic racism. It's, it's just the history of African-Americans getting the shorthand of the stick. Uh, I know for, for a fact, uh, you know, my parents who are elderly, uh, they, it, took, it took them a while to get vaccinated because of their mistrust of the medical system. And uh, I'm a person that actually had COVID and suffered from COVID and being hospitalized for several days. Uh, but they mistrust, they had a mistrust of the system. And, and that goes along with uh, plenty of African-Americans throughout the state and throughout the nation where they just do not trust um, the system. Do you think, um, and, and this is for either one of you, is Oklahoma, we're different. We're a different culture than on the coast, either coast. You know, it's a little more calm here, I think. I haven't gone to any unrest on the coast. You know, so, so is that just my perspective? Are we more insulated here? Are folks a little more calm here than in other parts of the country? Um, you know, I think that's true to some extent. Uh, what I'll, I'll say this. Um, during the height of the, the George Floyd protest, uh, I stay right by... Uh, the police station downtown. And I remember vividly uh, on class and uh, looking from my apartment window, uh, watching uh, gas be deployed into the streets and people scattering, you know? And so, uh, yes, I think, um, you know, compared to other parts of the nation, uh, Oklahoma uh, fares a bit better in terms of if, if the uh, social climate gets heated, but uh, we're not immune. Uh, you know, when people see graphic images that they uh, perceive to be unjust, they'll get mobilized. And I think it could happen in Oklahoma and, and, and in any other small part of, uh, of this country. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that we're not immune. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, we were dealing with the Julius Jones issue um, where this young man has asserted his innocence uh, for the last 22 years. And uh, he believes he did not get a fair trial. He did not testify in his trial. Uh, so. That issue is across the board, across the board in Oklahoma, across the board in New York. I think that issue has been affecting African-Americans uh, for centuries now. And uh, we have to come to some type of answer. We have to come to some type of uh, uh, decision-making process where we can figure out how we solve these very important issues. And the recent Aubrey case, you know, it all, yeah, it, it, it kind of stacks up, doesn't it, doctor? Uh, yes, you know, and uh, and even though these incidents are happening uh, happening in separate states, uh, we uh, I think collectively share their experience. You know, no matter where they are, we feel what they're going through. And so when you see incidents like uh, Muhammad Aubrey, who's chased down by vigilantes and killed, uh, or when you see George Floyd, who uh, 
who has a knee on his neck by a police officer. I mean, these are happening in different parts of the country, but yet African-Americans in Oklahoma or Memphis, Tennessee are all feeling those same feelings. We're all, you know, feeling uh, anxious, uh, depressed, you know, whether or not, you know, we can truly change the system. These, these events keep happening. And so it's all connected, even if they occur in different parts of this country. Yeah, and I, I once again, I agree, uh, you know, from systemic racism to African-Americans not having generational wealth to uh, health disparities, uh, where we're more susceptible to COVID-19 uh, based on um, the health disparities that we face. Uh, you know, education, uh, not having access to education. There's so many issues that we have to solve. And yeah, so I think that's across the board in every state as the, as the doctor indicated. So doctor, why do you call this project Trinity and explain what you did in the study? Yes. Yeah, so uh, the reason why I call it uh, Project Trinity, because uh, the, uh, the byline for the study is health, hope and healing. And so the, the, I think in order to really uh, come up with a solution, you, you must first really understand the problem. And so that's why, I, as, as I said, I invited uh, a sample of uh, African-Americans to take part in this two year cohort study. And just to give you a really uh, brief overview about, uh, I guess, the methods or how uh, we uh, did this study was that we uh, launched a, uh, a Facebook uh, advertising campaign that was targeted in Oklahoma. Uh, specifically in two areas, Oklahoma City and Tulsa. And when people saw our ads, they clicked on them and then they were uh, taken to a uh, survey where they can, uh, could complete. It took around about 45 minutes to complete. And you know, some of the questions we asked was um, about uh, how often they watched uh, television coverage or social media coverage of, uh, of African-Americans being harmed or killed uh, by police officers since the George Floyd incident. And we also asked them uh, how often they watch footage of uh, a protest or uh, even riots uh, since the George Floyd incident. And, and from there, we, uh, we asked a follow-up question uh, that really got at, you know, how, how emotionally impacted, you know, they were by watching that footage. And then from there, we collected information about their uh, current mental health status, um, their attitudes about policing, uh, their attitudes towards uh, civil disobedience and unlawful behavior, and also about, you know, how uh, socially involved they've been. And then, uh, and, and then from there, we can do really cool analysis to see, you know, uh, whether or not uh, if you view footage of uh, African-Americans being harmed or killed, or even if you view footage uh, or of uh, social unrest, uh, would that be associated or, uh, with your mental health or your perceptions about policing or civil disobedience, as well as your uh, willingness to engage in uh, political causes? And so uh, it's just cool stuff you can do when you ask uh, really good questions. All right, Representative, you're a state representative. Surely you don't have to deal with any qualms or fears or misgivings about situations out in the world. <laughs> uh, I, I will say respectfully, I do. <laughs> um, you know, just being an African-American man, I mean, I know firsthand about police uh, abuse. Uh, when I was in uh, law school in, in Atlanta, I was pulled over by police officers and searched and for no reason at all, just uh, just driving my vehicle. So I know firsthand, um, I know as a criminal defense attorney, uh, individuals come into my office uh, every day uh, that talk about police abuse and how uh, they have been, um, their, their constitutional rights have been violated. So I know firsthand about uh, these very important issues and uh, uh, yeah, we, we just have a lot of work to do because it really happens. 
So, so Representative, we have study, and surely this isn't the first study that's been done. What has to be done beyond the study? And can, with, with what'd you say, seven members in the Black Legislative Caucus for Oklahoma, is yeah. that enough to affect change? Yeah, you know, the, that's the most members, unfortunately, uh, that Oklahoma has ever had. Uh, but yeah, we, we need more uh, individuals that are elected that believe in rehabilitation instead of incarceration, believe in criminal justice, <clears throat> believe that a person that uh, commits a nonviolent offense, like being addicted to drugs that hurts themselves, don't belong in prison uh, where taxpayers are spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year housing them when they could be out uh, being a productive citizen as far as a taxpayer, supporting their families and, um, and, and not you know, having the system support them. Uh, so yeah, so I, I think on the legislative level, uh, we need to make sure that we talk to our legislators in rural Oklahoma who are Republicans, who are uh, Democrats, uh, and let them know that these are issues that are important to us. Uh, as a politician, I am held accountable to the voters and we got to make sure that politicians are aware of this. And uh, you, the voters out there, the people that are listening to this, hold your elected officials accountable. Let them know that these are issues that are very important to you and, uh, and that you have to um, uh, support these issues. And that's the only way things are going to be changed in the state. Uh, uh, that, that, that's it. I mean, we just have to hold our, our electors, elected uh, accountable. Dr. Alexander, what were some of the solutions you found, if any, at this point? I think you may have more study to do. Okay, so let's first let's talk about the findings, actually. So, um, so let's first talk about the mental health risk. When you start viewing footages of a footage of African Americans being harmed or killed by police officers, or if you just view footage of protests and social unrest, what we find is that uh, when you view footage, especially very frequently, uh, of African Americans being harmed or social unrest, uh, you have a higher risk of anxiety and depression. Uh, now let's also look at attitudes. What happens to your attitudes about policing? What happens to your attitudes about social uh, to civil disobedience slash unlawful behavior? What we also find there is that when you view footage of uh, either African Americans being harmed or killed or uh, footage of social unrest, you have more negative perceptions towards policing, and you also have uh, more positive attitudes towards uh, civil disobedience and unlawful behavior. And, and finally, what, what about political action? You know, do people get engaged when they see these videos? In fact, they get very engaged when they see these videos. Uh, we had high levels of political engagement among all, among all, among all our participants. So when we talk about solutions, uh, I mean, the uh, law enforcement needs to know uh, these videos are not doing them any favors. Uh, they're actually, um, they're, their public opinion among African-Americans is going down every time you know, people are watching uh, these incidents and they keep happening more frequently. And so I think the uh, law enforcement, uh, if any solutions uh, were to come from uh, representatives or uh, people within our institutions, uh, we need to be able to send out positive messages uh, uh, as it relates to law enforcement. But these uh, videos, as I said, they're uh, neg negatively impacting uh, their perceptions. And when police officers are, are, are not really seen in a high regard in certain communities, that makes their jobs even tougher, which I think might even contribute to more incidents down the road. Uh, you know, what I've seen is, as far as uh, talking to young adults, especially African-Americans, they're 
their opinion of police officers is not great. Uh, they, they do not want to be police officers. And my goal is to diversify uh, the police departments uh, in the state of Oklahoma, make sure more African-Americans are applying for these jobs, because I, I think it makes a difference when an African-American see other African-American police officers, I think it helps. Uh, so what is your take on that? And have, did you ask that question in your, in your uh, study or uh, what's um, your personal take on it? You know, I can actually uh, speak uh, from personal experience uh, because I actually come from a family of law enforcement. My uh, father is a director of a prison. Uh, my older brother is a police officer. Um, and so, and my older brother, he didn't always, you know, uh, walk the straight line in life. And uh, when, uh, when you're applying for different police departments across the nation, uh, they're usually looking for people who are squeaky clean in terms of their records. Uh, my brother didn't have a squeaky clean record, but because the law enforcement community gave him a chance, you know, he was invited to join their ranks and he succeeded. And uh, not in ways in which one uh, might expect, because, you know, I've learned just from talking with him that um, when you're with an, uh, a partner, an officer going to a scene, uh, you find that people from different uh, backgrounds may respond to, uh, you know, let's say African-Americans differently than he necessarily would. For example, if a person on the street were to get aggressive with a police officer, my brother would know how to navigate that situation much better uh, than uh, somebody else from another background who might respond in more aggressive behavior. And so you're definitely right. We need to do more to get uh, to diversify the police department. And I think one of the ways we can do that is just by really seeing, uh, just by giving people a second chance, you know, uh, allow police officers um, uh, who may who may have not have the, the best past to give them a chance and, and bring them on the force. I think they can do a lot of good work, especially when it comes to working with working within African American communities, because they can understand uh, some of the language and, and behavior better than other people from other backgrounds. It, it seems like we're talking a lot about uh, social social justice more than the medical end of this. And and I don't want to leave anything out, Doctor. If there's something you want to add that's important, because the representative, you know, talked about his parents being reluctant. Well, you know, as, uh, in the African American community, there may be a special mistrust, which you guys addressed earlier. So, what part of your study? What did you find in that part of your study? Oh, that's that's a great uh, uh, point to talk about. That just a mistrust in the system, and 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 like uh, law enforcement, they're actually very similar. Uh, there's also very few African American doctors who are uh, practicing today. And, uh, and so when you have an African-American patient, you know, they're, they're primarily going to be seen by doctors of other races, which is fine because we want to receive the best medical care. But I, I think that when you uh, have an African-American doctor, whether it's female or male, uh, they're better able to communicate uh, and uh, really talk about the needs of the patients of African-American patients uh, in a better way. And so I think that may improve care uh, in ways that you would not see if you were to have a, a doctor from another background. And I I think that also may help to uh, rebuild some trust there as well. And so, you know, institutions that I work for are really trying hard to, to find uh, and recruit uh, doctors uh, who are African-American because they, they also recognize that, you know, their patients really benefit when they're treated by African-American nurses and doctors. And so, uh, you know, that's just something we have to continue to work on. So this sounds like it comes down to access to education and access to more opportunities um, in the jobs field especially in those jobs that interact directly with all communities in the state. Is that right? 
Yes, no, you're exactly right. Uh, and uh, as I said, the institutes that I work for, the Stevenson Cancer Center and the University of Oklahoma Health Science Center, they're launching a lot of initiatives to just build pipelines so that we can find those bright students and lead them into those careers so they can be the future doctors and the researchers. And so when people look up, they'll see more people that look like them so they can also be inspired to take uh, to go down the same road. That's great. Um, uh, Representative, I'm going to give you the last word. As you look down the barrel of all the things that need to happen and all the possibility that lies at the end of that road, what is it that you would like to do in the next one to maybe five years in Oklahoma to help bring these changes to light? Our education is the gateway to success. And uh, I think that's where it starts. Uh, we got to make sure that our schools across the state um, are all equal. Uh, you know, schools in my district, uh, District 97, uh, most of them are failing. Um, that's unacceptable. We have a whole generation of kids that are not getting a quality education. Uh, so those things have to change. We have to focus on health disparities as well. Um, that's why African-Americans are so susceptible, susceptible to uh, COVID-19 based on uh, diabetes and um, all uh, other diseases out there that are that COVID-19 seems to love. Um, so those are issues that I, I, I plan on focusing on in the next legislative session. Uh, the, the Black Caucus, the Legislative Black Caucus, uh, we believe that we need to be the leader on those issues and we plan to be. All right. I want to thank both of you for being with me, uh, Representative Jason Lowe and Dr. Adam Alexander. Thank you so much for your time and your insights. Thank you again. Support independent journalism in Oklahoma. Donate at OETA.tv slash podcast. That's OETA.tv slash podcast. From OETA, Oklahoma's home for public television. Mm -hmm.